Gary DePaul with Unlabeled Leadership. Welcome to episode 108, Kelly Beattie infuses joy into the workplace. Here's a shout out to listeners in North Carolina, in particular in Lincolnton, Lumberton, Matthews, Moravian Falls, and in New York in Forest Hills and Jamaica. With that, let's get started. Let's face it, in just about any organization, people avoid conflict. They don't like having difficult conversations. Enter Kelly Beatty. Kelly helps organizations with those conversations to improve the culture of their workplace. She's the president of First Star Consulting Group. Her expertise is in talent development, specifically with diversity, equity, and inclusion, and emotional intelligence. Kelly is someone you might want to get to know. Part 1. Build Your Home and Workbench Developing your career, leadership, or completing substantial tasks typically are not done alone. You need other people to be effective and to produce work that is stronger and more substantial than what you can produce by yourself. Kelly shares a story that gets at this concept. Here's Kelly to explain. This is something that really has stayed with me through my professional life. Early on, as I was coming up as a leader, I was working with an executive coach, which was amazing. My executive coach gave me the homework assignment to write down two or three leaders that I would like to emulate. What do you respect about them as a leader? What would you, what sort of characteristics do you admire about a particular leader? And so I went down and I did my assignment and I wrote three people's names. And the next time that I met with my mentor, she smiled and she said, great, your next step is to go and meet these people for lunch and to talk about leadership with them. Oh, wow. And so that terrified me. Yeah. Uh, because one of them was the then president of the organization that I was working with. In my head, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to go ask for a lunch with the president of the company. But I reached out. She was very gracious. And she said, absolutely, I would love to talk and go to lunch. And so we went, sat down, started talking. I asked her, I said, what, what advice do you have for me as I am coming up in leadership? And she paused and she smiled and she said, you know, my mentor gave me this piece of advice and I have taken it with me and I've shared it broadly. So I'm thrilled to be able to share it on your platform is develop a bench strength. As leaders, we often tend to feel like we have to do everything all by ourselves because that's what makes us great leaders. But she said the very best leaders have a bench strength. They have a, a home bench to help out with things around the house. And then they have a work bench. Those go-to people in the organization that you know you can delegate something to. It's really being able to elevate you as a leader to be able to have different growth opportunities for people around you to recognize their strengths and to be able to tap into that. And that's something that's really stayed with me. And I have continued to practice that and share that with others is to really be able to delegate tasks both at home and in the workplace. I would even expand the workbench definition to not only to things that you can delegate to other people, 
If you're in an organization, just assuming like a corporation or something like that, just being able to tap into the resources of the people who are your peers, who you work with, and leverage their capabilities as well. Absolutely. And it's just thinking about it in a different way. Like I said, so often leaders have this inclination that if they don't do it, then they're not being a good leader. And they wind up having so much piled on their plate that they actually, it inhibits them from being a good leader. And by looking to those around them and asking the question, why is it me that's doing this task? And is there somebody else who would be better served at doing said task? It really changes the way that people can work. When writing a book, when just about anything, maybe one of the more difficult lessons is learning that you cannot do it by yourself. You really have to rely on other people to be able to step up, help. It just seems like a smart thing to do to leverage other people to make the product and or service better than what it could be by yourself. Yes it really helps to develop those people around you as well, because they want new opportunity. They want to be able to grow as well and be able to really enrich their role and responsibilities by taking on some of this other stuff. And it helps to build business acumen as to why are we running this report or why why do I have to give this information in this meeting? And so it really helps to grow and develop those around you. I think that's a deeper definition of workbench It's not just leveraging other people's expertise, but like you were saying, helping other people grow, develop, and be able to step up to the plate, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess that's a baseball metaphor. And and, and be able to take on more responsibilities. And it, it just helps everyone, even their coworkers in the long haul by doing that. So often when I work with leaders, when I suggest delegation, they feel like they are dumping their work on somebody else. It could not be further from the truth. It's really about looking for opportunities to help the people around them grow and to be able to leverage their talents to help the business reach its objectives. When you think of the word management, I think of the definition by Mary Parker Follett, is the art of accomplishing work through others. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing the work yourself, then you're not managing. (laughs) Correct. Yes. And so absolutely, when, when you're talking about getting work done through other people, really being able to have that connection and saying, I know that you're really good with Excel. Can you help me and run this report? Or can you help me build this spreadsheet? And it really empowers employees. And what you were saying before, you might say, I know that you want to develop your capabilities in Excel. I'd like for you to learn how to do this report in Excel to expand your capabilities. Exactly. Part two, what could happen when you give feedback with kindness? In performance management, There are several techniques that you can use to assess employees. Some of this is done through annual reviews. Others use something called talent review. And in some cases, organizations combine talent review with performance reviews. A model that is popular in the U.S. is called the nine boxes. This is a tool used to identify high performers and potential high performers for their next role. In the show notes, I provide some links that talks about the nine boxes and cautions you 
about using the nine boxes or how you use it. Kelly shares a story where she was involved in this nine box process, and she explains how this process affected one of her employees. Again, here's Kelly. I was a manager at a corporation in the training and consulting department. I had a team of 14 instructors who flew around the country and taught this software to various businesses, which was great fun. Every year we did an annual review, as many companies do, you do an annual review of your employees. The manager group got together We went through an exercise where we talked really about all the employees, what were their strengths, where are areas of opportunity. We used a tool called the nine box. Um, And so are you familiar? Yep. And so we're really just kind of putting everybody's name up up on the board. And one of my employees got put in a spot where on the nine box that it was really low motivation and low performance, low potential. At the time, I could completely agree with that assessment. And what I did was I actually found the courage to share that feedback with this employee. I shared with him that the management team did not really believe in his potential. And I did it in a very kind way. I did it as a way to help him understand how he was getting in his own way. I set it up and he said that, you know, he really wanted to be promoted. He was disappointed and he thought he was going to get promoted. He set a goal for himself to be promoted within the next 12 months. And I worked with him and I continued to give him feedback. I continued to work with him on areas of opportunity and growth. Sure enough, one year later, he was in the eight box with being very high performing, moderate potential, and he got promoted. By giving him that difficult feedback really allowed him to unlock his potential and help him grow. One of the amazing things about annual reviews is when you have a team, a management team get together and they're talking about all these employees and they do put one of those employees in a lower box, low performing, low potential box, and the employee doesn't know it. You think back, okay, within the last year, what not only caused it, but what feedback did these other managers give that would give the feedback to that employee that, hey, this is what I'm thinking of. You don't report to me, Mm -hmm. but I want, you know, it really makes me wonder about these, not, not so much the performance reviews, but the ability of managers giving feedback. I admire what you did because just like you said, you gave feedback, you gave coaching the employee met the goal. Yeah, that is something that I am now helping other leaders develop that skill to be able to have a difficult conversation or to be able to give in feedback that can be really difficult. If you don't give your employees that feedback, you are really setting them up for failure because most employees come in and they try to do a good job. They want to do a good job. Most people who come to work, come to work with an attitude of, I'm going to do my best today. Um, There's very few that I've encountered that are like, "Ah, I'll just, whatever. And when they don't get that feedback that says, maybe we need to do it this different way, or are you okay? Because I don't, I see your performance starting to slip. They think it's okay because no one's telling them that it's not. The leaders are often left, well, what happened to Joey? Because he used to be such a high performer and now he's not. Yes, yes. If I had to go back to corporate America into a management role, 
I think I would let my peers know that if you have feedback for the people that report to me, let me know. Mm-hmm. If we're all in the same department, I would tell the people, hey, if you don't tell me in advance that someone's having problems when it comes to performance review time, you can't surprise me with it and surprise the employee. So, you know, just trying to challenge your peers to give you that feedback and even asking them, how is someone doing Mm -hmm. midway or a quarter of the way? And even asking, how am I doing to your boss and peers? It's a wonderful exercise to be able to develop a culture where it's actually encouraged for people to give feedback on other employees. So if we have a management team of four of us and each of us are sharing our perspective on a certain employee, it really gives a rounded view of that person's performance. If I am working with somebody, they may only show me their very best self, whereas they might be unresponsive to a different person in the department. So it really gives a a good rounded view of that person's performance. Yeah, I think a culture has made it. If people voluntarily give feedback to other people, peers, bosses, direct reports, indirect reports, customers, even other employees, if we can get companies to do that, and in your role, we get them all to do that, this will be such a much better environment for all employees. Absolutely. Performance reviews have come to a spot where like, they're not valued. You come in, you look over your performance review, you're like, okay, and then I'm just going to go back. But the performance reviews done well can really help to develop that employee and to say, hey, this, these are the things that you're doing really, really well. These are some good areas of opportunity that I want you to think about. Oh, definitely. Part three, high impact. I often hear executives say that people are their greatest asset. What I don't hear them say is that people are their most difficult part of their organization. Part of this may be because executives don't know how to take care of their most valued asset, people. There's a lot that they could be doing, but part of it is they just don't know what to do. Some of the things that they could do are simple, but have a huge impact that could save a lot of effort and avoid a lot of problems later on. Kelly shares some advice of something simple that anyone could do that could have a huge impact, a positive lift for your workforce. Here's Kelly to explain. Going into the holiday season, it's always a good time to pause and reflect. I look at these months as months of gratitude. And so I would encourage the leaders out there to reflect on people that they appreciate and to spend some time writing a handwritten thank you note of that appreciation and distribute it out. It has such an incredible impact on the people around them. It goes beyond just a verbal thank you for your work, but to have it written down and to say and delivered a handwritten thank you note is such a low cost, high impact way of recognizing your staff and your employees. I had an executive vice president have a conversation with me for about an hour talking about his people. And he did just what you said. Mm -hmm. He did handwritten notes and later found out that one employee that he did that for, who was a high-performing employee, was considering quitting, leaving the company, just frustrated with the company, but received that note. And it had such an impact on her that she continued to stay with the company and 
and let that executive know that that note changed her perception of the company and a role and changed her attitude. It is such a simple, straightforward way to recognize those people that are helping you do the work. It is something that can be so touching that people will keep that note for a very long time. You'll see it on their desks. You'll see it hanging up on their, if they have like a cork board in their workspace. It's a very impactful way to recognize employees. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. And the other thing that happens with recognition is that some managers act like you have a small amount and you only can give out so much recognition, right. you know, and a simple right. thank you, you know, just a, showing that you appreciate that someone just did their job is a, right. is important. It can really fill people's buckets. Um, if you're familiar with that term, it can really bring people joy in the workplace. I, I do some work with a local healthcare system and I was working with a surgeon and the surgeon was frustrated because he felt that his staff, the nurses, the surgical techs, and some of the admin people were there working long days and morale was low. And I said, you know, after a tough surgery, do you ever thank the team for their work? And he looked at me and he said, well, it's their job. Why would I yeah. thank them? I just give it a try. And so we met two weeks later and he says, oh my gosh, what a difference. After every surgery now, I stop and I thank the team for their hard work. He went beyond the assignment and he identified one outstanding thing that each person on the team did. If the surgical tech was being able to anticipate what instrument he needed next, he thanked that person. I really appreciate that. And he said, what a difference it makes in the OR. If you remember that poster, um, all things I learned, I learned in kindergarten. Oh, yeah. It still very much holds true. Don't underestimate the power of a sincere and genuine thank you. A mistake that some people make is they equate a paycheck to be the equivalent of recognition. Correct. It's not. It's an exchange of services that you've agreed to. It's not saying we appreciate that you're doing your job. Right. There's a big difference. And just, I love the example that you just gave with the surgeon. It's so simple to say those two words, which are rationed out so strictly. Thank you. Just say yeah. thank you. Just say, I appreciate what you did. And it really can infuse joy back into the workplace because most people, like I mentioned, they want to come to work and they want to do a good job. When they are recognized for that, that cycle perpetuates, right? I will work harder because I know my leader recognizes the work that I'm doing. My thanks to Kelly Beatty. If you'd like to learn more about Kelly, go to the show notes. And if you have a question or comment, go to unlabelleadership.com. Click the message icon and leave a voicemail message for up to one minute. I'd like to thank those who contribute to the show. Your contributions makes a difference because this is an all-volunteer service. Lastly, I'd like to thank you for listening. This is Gary DePaul. Until next time, lead on.